Ahoy there, and welcome back to Delmance Dawn. Nobody tell work, but I'm recording this during the workday. I'm Luke, your host, he, him, and sometimes they, them, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Janine. Hello, it's me, Janine. My pronouns are she, they, and I don't have a third thing to say. Uh, so let's uh, let's give it a Luke. Yeah. <laughs> we have a wonderful energy going on here today. It's been an interesting week for both of us, but we are joined for this very special, special episode by Jay. Jay, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Jay Ackley. I'm in Brooklyn. I work in the nonprofit sector. I play a lot of music. I do a lot of um, art and tech stuff for fun, and I am happy to be pals with Luke and happy to meet Janine. Uh, for those of you following the various Luke and Janine projects, Jay also did the theme song for Fallout Columbus and is a bird connoisseur. Correct. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, we've told you to listen to that other one. So mm -hmm. if you don't know. Now you know. Uh, yeah, so this is episode. F oh, wait. I forgot what I was going. So, Jay, uh, you are, I feel like we'd say that you are a musician first for the purposes of, like, being a guest on here and a creative first. Uh, I, I feel like kind of office management isn't quite the, uh, like, <laughs> podcast draw for a show about One Piece and The Simpsons, like Domance Dawn is, said Luke, remembering to say what the show is. That's fair enough. Um, yep, I like making lots of weird art stuff, and I like people's goofy, esoteric projects, and I like contributing when asked. So here I am. <laughs> uh, uh, well, to kind of preface the important things for the show, what is your experience with The Simpsons? Uh, so I grew up watching it with my folks. Um, Sunday evenings, we would sit around and watch King of the Hill and... Um, what were the other ones? I guess that was Futurama era as well. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of our Sunday evening after dinner routine. Um, so I, I know my cousin, she wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons because it was too subversive, which is pretty funny to um, look back at now. Um, mm -hmm. But I've always had a very fond place in my heart for it. I don't think I watched more than two or three episodes after 2005. Um, it's not something that I've had a lot of interest or enthusiasm for keeping in my life so this was a fun excuse to go back and um, see what they've been up to fair and what is your experience with one piece or what have you picked up through cultural osmosis nothing um i have no context for this show um i think i have a coworker who has a shirt of one piece and potentially reads the manga i there's got to be a manga Mm -hmm. um then so i know one person who's interested but we've never had a conversation about it fair well these are the episodes that you'll be like hey i know one piece that's where luffy's a detective and then they'll be like what no jay no and i 
I am glad you were able to come on for this episode, and I am also sad that you came in on this episode, because uh, this week we are covering episodes that initially ran between December 24th of the year 2006 and January 7th of 2007, for the most part, because this is also going to be the first episode where we are covering one of the One Piece made-for-TV specials and our first episode where we are skipping forward a few episodes because I just wanted to get all of these Detective Luffy stories for now done. Okay, so he's not usually even solving crimes. He's just off on some overarching quest. Yeah, that's why, like, in the opening credits, uh, there's pirate ships everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How did you feel about the opening credit? Like, the, the song itself? Um, it was pretty scattershot. I mean, I it seemed pretty um, generic anime to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and not to say that I've watched a lot of anime either, but just um, having watched a lot of Sailor Moon as a kid, um, I was like, yep, this is that frenetic energy, um, which I get a kick out of. Fair enough. Uh, we are at a specific... Uh opening done by an actual like Japanese pop band who I'm not sure if you noticed appeared in uh, the credits of the last episode, the opening credits. Oh, fun. No, I did not Mm -hmm. notice that. But I think if you watch it on Crunchyroll, they weirdly don't use that version of the credits, but on Netflix they do. Okay. uh, Because that was initially broadcast on april 1st <laughs> which yeah this this is this is a weird one uh so uh we only had one simpsons episode this week which was the wife aquatic where marge is reminded of her childhood trips to barnacle bay so homer and the family take her out but it's now become a dilapidated island since the yum yum fish died off Homer tries to restore the town and actually does a decent job of it. Like, this is not a jerk-ass Homer situation. No. It was, um, it was very funny to me to, I mean, are we getting into discussion of the episodes? What's the, yeah, what's the yeah, structure here? Uh, I'm putting in a pause so we can say things. And Janine and I have been delighted to see Homer moving away from kind of the peak, oh, I'm going to be an asshole just to be an asshole. That makes sense. Yeah, I liked liked how much it focused on he was really trying to do something good for Marge. Um, Mm -hmm. The family all seemed to love each other in this episode, which is not something that I think is true of all the plots. I appreciated how much it did seem to just sort of be a relatively small scale. I think any exposure I've had to the Simpsons in the last 20 years have been where they've gone really over the top, where they've had a bunch of guest stars, where the plots are just totally ludicrous. And this is a ludicrous plot, but it felt a little bit more grounded. Um, And I liked, in my mind, this felt like it was better than something that could have been written by AI, which is not what I expected going in. Fair. Yeah, no, this was like a solid 
plot uh because what happens next is homer accidentally burns down the entire boardwalk and something that i wouldn't argue is completely his fault because if it burns that easily he was just putting on a fireworks show yeah like that is major structural issues going on uh so homer has to help fish to pay off the damages and ends up finding the secret to attracting the yum yum fish again but then they get caught up in a massive storm and it turned out that bart stowed away with homer and the ship sinks and everyone is presumed to be dead and lost at sea but they actually got saved by japanese fishermen and then instead of going to harvest yum yum fish because Lisa warns them that they could cause problems, they instead, in a kind of wonderfully cynical way, just end up logging all of the trees on the island, causing a different type in, of environmental destruction. Yeah, I, it's funny to me you say wonderful. I found the ending pretty anticlimactic. Um, I thought it was sort of a weird, just nihilistic um like trying to be edgy, like, oh, when people try to be environmentally conscientious, they just do something worse instead. Um, it didn't really feel like there was any narrative coherence to the ending. Um, yeah, it just felt like sort of a, a lazy cop out. That was the one that more felt like, oh, they're just doing whatever to get any cheap gag. Um, whereas I thought the episode overall was not lazy in that way. The ending was just what's going on. OK, I guess you ran out of minutes. Fair. I, I think that's a valid uh, point to raise. I, I I got a cheap enough laugh out of it, but yeah, it is sort of a they did run out of time. Uh, Janine, any thoughts on the episode? I think that um, overall the episode kind of felt like it if you threw it inside of an earlier season or told me that it happens like in season 12, like I would totally believe you. It doesn't feel like how uh, a lot of season 17 or even season 18 stuff has been so far that we've watched, mm-hmm. um, which is a weird thing to say because it's like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the Simpsons are going back to a particular formula, but it does feel like they're dropping a lot of things that just didn't work for them. And Mm -hmm. what they have left is just kind of like, um, I guess, you know, what, what was always there and it, it was kind of solid, uh, not particularly great as much as like, some of the past episodes in this season I would think about. Uh, But I do love Fausto. Yeah, we did get a bunch of new characters, including Fausto, Officer Joe. uh, We can now use Patrick's... Italian Pete. We can now use Patrick Star from SpongeBob. Uh, Italian Devils from the old-timey movie at the beginning of everything. And also they got a whole bunch of uh, usage out of, I'm blanking on the name of the song. The It's not Claire de Lune, it's like the March of the Animals or something, Aquarium? Okay. Uh, like the classical music piece that they used with that dreamy vibe to it. If it's public gotcha. domain, I'll put it over here. Nice. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised how many of just the one-off lines just made me laugh. 
I the the writing is downright clever. I think my favorite one was when Flanders was saying, "Now for a movie from my favorite year, Yester." Um, that that's just hilarious to me. Just a lot of really fun, goofy wordplay. Or when the captain says, "Oh, time to bring up the fish for them to air drown and just move along." Um, yeah, just like they're having fun. That that makes me smile. Yeah, no, I I agree. It, it's I think. Th- Simpsons did get really dire in seasons that we kind of didn't even cover in much depth at all. But we're starting to see a newer era, and I'm going to be interested to see what good stuff is forgotten or has been forgotten about. Uh, And that brings us to the One Piece, which... Uh, like I mentioned, we are covering our first special and also three episodes, which include End of the Year Special Project, The Detective Memoirs of Chief Straw Hat Luffy. Boss Luffy Returns, A Dream or Reality Lottery Trouble. The Great Mochimaki Race to the Castle, Conspiracy of the Red Nose. And The Criminal is Boss Luffy? Chase the Vanished Great Sakura Tree. Uh, yeah, so you kind of brought it up. Uh, Luffy is not normally a detective. But this is an alternate universe series. Yes, uh, something that they are going to keep going back to semi-regularly because, uh, People like AUs, the character models, for the most part, already exist. And... I mean, they also got to reuse a lot of characters that we hadn't seen, like, for years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Buggy hasn't had a big scene in a while. Is the clown guy, is that a, um overarching bad guy, or was he specifically for these episodes? Oh, all of the characters in these episodes are like actual characters from One Piece proper just put into this alternate universe. Got it. I think my first exposure to just an AU TV series was the um, news radio episode where they're on the Titanic as it's going down. And so I'm trying to imagine what my experience of news radio would be if I went to it, assuming it all took place on the Titanic. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing, especially because there's levels of context that we don't have uh, unless we've done research for, like, what is going on here, because we have, like, a level of, well... I know what a detective is. A detective is either like a noir guy or like an inspector gadget. And I did some research and kind of wanted to be like, well, why are they also calling him Boss Luffy? And what is up with him using the uh, weapon that he's using with his normal attacks? And, uh, Luffy's uh, title would actually translate into a doshin, which okay. I'm probably mispronouncing, which is essentially a beat cop. Uh, they were the last resort of like, hey, either 
your family is not great enough to like be a samurai family, but you need a job. So here is a law enforcement job that you can have. And they were paid poorly and on a level they were actually expected to like take bribes and get money from the people they were supposed to protect because, well, they're not getting paid well enough to do anything. And so uh, the other thing that they have, which we see with the character of Usopp, is the Okapiki, uh, who are their like paid informant services or their investigation assistants. And then the Jite, which is the non-bladed weapon, uh, was initially invented as a weapon that people could use because you were basically sentenced to death if you brought a sword into a shogun's palace. And so they needed a non-bladed weapon that people could use to protect the Shogun if they were in his court. And so the Jite uh, was used as that weapon. And then in the Edo period where this was set, it kind of became a representation of the uh, authority that you had. So it's sort of a shorthand. Well, that all makes a lot of sense. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, because they don't give us any of this. (laughs) And especially because Funimation, who does the translations and dubs in the United States, hasn't done the majority of the specials. If you're just watching the show, you don't get any of this first episode at all. It's just like, oh, you you come in on the next episode. Uh, There's nothing super complicated, but it is weird. It was weird. Yeah, these episodes are also a very different uh, storytelling technique than uh, everything else. Like, I thought it was funny along the context of just like what would be appropriate or taken for granted or like how does the society work. I thought it was really funny how the major plot point of one of the episodes, I think the second or third one, um, mm-hmm. was that, oh no, this child has been kidnapped, but that's allowed because their dad owes a debt. And then it's like, oh, wait, it wasn't actually their dad. So this is not allowed. As a, so you could just do some sort yeah. of ad hoc kidnapping if you were mad at somebody. Um, you can sell a person's child into slavery if they owe you debt. But otherwise, you're not allowed to sell a person's child into slavery. Yeah, that's yeah. not my assumption of what would be legal or not. But so be it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Uh, but to recap those episodes and discuss them, Buggy of the Clown Clan decides to try and take over the local town, which uh, at this point means stealing the money from a local hotel owner and threatening to use his buggy bombs against anyone who would accuse him of a crime. Uh, Usopp, who is Luffy's informant, comes to warn uh, him after Luffy had gotten trouble at the Pinwheel restaurant for unwittingly trying to pay for his meal with counterfeit money that he had confiscated. And so Luffy shows up to face Buggy, but no one is willing to accuse him of any crimes, which means that Luffy can't arrest him for actively doing crimes, which is one of those weird cultural things until Chopper uh, speaks up, which is enough for Luffy to act, and he chases Buggy away. Buggy ends up capturing Onami, which is the alternate version of Nami, and holds her hostage. So Luffy fo- 
uh, follows him and faces two traveling warriors who are aligned with the buggy for unknown reasons, uh, Gidatsu and Hachi, who Luffy easily stops. And then Sanji appears taking out Buggy's other men. And when Buggy starts to use his powers, Sanji kicks him in the balls. Luffy blasts Buggy away. And then it turns out that the money that Buggy had stolen from the hotel owner was also counterfeit, which allows Luffy to catch another person in this counterfeit crime ring. I feel like that is a lot clearer than what is explained in the episode. Yes. Yeah, this would have been helpful to have that summary. Um, so I understood <laughs> more of what I was watching. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's very strange. The funny part of me, too, just plot-wise as a show, was that um, how easily he stopped everybody. I think there was one battle in the fourth episode that he had a little bit of trouble with, but otherwise it was basically just a matter of him showing up and using his power, and then that resolved everything. Yeah, and like every time he blasts Buggy away, which happens in every episode, he's just like, thank you for your service! And then there's a little ding and a star in the distance. Yeah. Like, I want to say it is specifically tied to a specific type of Japanese play that has this sort of formula, but I am not 100% sure on that. Okay. Uh, So the second part of the special is Luffy and Usopp are on night watch when they see Zoro, who is a wandering monk, saving Vivi from the clown clan, and then... After stopping them, Zoro wanders off. Luffy brings Vivi back to the pinwheel restaurant where Chopper helps uh, her with her injuries and then to repay everyone. She tries to work at the restaurant, but she's very bad at it. But apparently because all of the men in town are so horny for her, they come out to the restaurant in large enough crowds until Sanji chases them all off. And then Luffy's just like, hey, you know how I'm a detective? Uh, Vivi, you should just play with me and these other, like, literal children. And they are being followed by Robin, who we don't get, like, a clear definition of what her deal is in any of these episodes. Uh, Usopp then sees a wanted poster with Vivi's face on it and heads after her. Zoro, meanwhile, gets fed by Buggy's men and goes to face Luffy for them because they want to capture Vivi, but all of this turns out out to be a ruse. Zoro and Luffy knock out Buggy's men, and the clown clan retreats, and then Usopp appears with the poster, and Vivi's like, oh, I'm actually the princess. I just wanted to know what it's like to be the common people. She wants to eat with the common people. She wants to do whatever the common people do. And even though she promises to never leave the castle again, she immediately breaks that promise to hang out with her friends. So yeah, you mentioned that Robin, um, I didn't pick up who that character was or what their deal was at all. She seemed to just be watching from the trees occasionally throughout all the episodes. Yeah. So contextually, she's working with the Royal court and keeping an eye on Vivi. Got it. In, the One Piece manga and anime in the main universe, um, we are actively dealing with the equivalent of the CIA trying to uh, kidnap her and give them instructions to a deadly blueprint that 
uh, the government wanted so much, and uh, she has illegal information where everyone else had the same information that she has, got essentially genocided off of an island. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's great, though. Robin's a great character, and she has the power of the Hana Hana fruit, which allows her to bloom her body parts like flowers. So, like, there's the scene in a upcoming one we haven't gotten to yet where, like, she is able to see on the other side of a, a rock what's on that side. Okay. That's a neat power. Yeah. Uh, in the show proper, because they never actually explain it and they never point out what's going on. There are things called devil fruits where when you eat them, you are cursed by the ocean to never be able to swim and the ocean will steal your powers. But you also get cool new powers and they range from like Luffy ate the gum gum fruit, which is why he can stretch. Buggy ate the chop chop fruit so he can uh, chop parts of his body and rearrange parts of his body. Uh, that Chopper, other guy can slow down time. Yeah, uh, Foxy. Uh, and Chopper is a reindeer who ate the human human fruit and now he can turn into a hybrid human form. Of drastically different sizes? Uh, he has three forms in this and more forms in the manga where he developed, or in the manga and anime where he developed a fruit that allows him to transform into more forms. Okay. Because there's the human form, there's a full reindeer form, and then there's the hybrid form, which is where what you normally see him walking in. Okay. Yeah, it it does not get explained at all, so your questions are more than appropriate. Uh, we also saw uh, Hachi in this one and the next one that we'll, dis uh, dis uh, that we'll discuss where uh, he has extra arms and he is a fishman. An octopus fishman, specifically. Understood. And that's 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 an easy explanation, really. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We then get into the proper episodes where that winter Luffy finds a camel and brings it back to the restaurant where it turns out to have expensive tastes, including eating a winning lottery ticket. Buggy, meanwhile, plans to capture and sell Rika for money that is owed by Pops. And he works with Luffy's boss, Commissioner Three, to set uh Luffy up to get fired. So Buggy kidnaps Rika so he can legally sell her into slavery for debt that Pops owes. But Luffy shows up to arrest him for kidnapping. But Commissioner 3 shows up to try and fire Luffy until BB realizes that she knew that all of this was a setup. And Luffy reveals that Pop, who is Panda Man, isn't... Rika's actual father, which does make Buggy a kidnapper, and then he gets blasted away. And then it turns out that the Campbell that they found at the opening of the episode is a royal pet, so Onami and everyone else involved with saving the camel gets a reward, and then they celebrate Christmas together for some reason. And also in the background, Chopper has apparently been helping Santa. Yes, I liked that. Yeah. Yeah, it it's weird. Also, Chopper's birthday is on December 25th. Okay. There are canonical birthdays for every character in One Piece. And so did that... Uh, Pops ate a panda fruit? Or no, is uh, just sort of hybrid? I kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. 
Panda Man is traditionally just a character who they will throw into backgrounds of scenes in the manga and the anime. And it's like, hey, oh, keep your eye out for Panda Man. He doesn't do anything important, but he's always there. So <laughs> it's extra weird just being like, oh, hey, he's a plot point this time. Got it. Mm-hmm. And also, it's kind of weird that they're celebrating Christmas and like the kind of implications that that would have. But since this was a Christmas episode, that kind of validates it. Works for me. Yeah. And like we are already said, I guess slavery is fine if it's legally someone's kid who owes you money. But otherwise not. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise it's kidnapping. I appreciated the jokes about the camel having expensive tastes and then that getting um, resolved by being a royal camel. I thought that was funny how Luffy was happy to eat the table scraps that were set aside for the camel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luffy has a inexhaustible hunger most of the time. So it's a nice way of bringing that in. How do his powers compare to Mr. Fantastic? Pretty much equivalent? Uh, Ichiro Oda, who created One Piece, isn't afraid to, to say that, yes, Luffy's dick can stretch, unlike Stan Lee, that coward. Um, but Luffy is essentially made of rubber, and so he can stretch himself, but it's more of a elastic response as opposed to Mr. Fantastic, who can stretch and control his form. Got it. Mm-hmm. So in order to stretch his dick, he would need to get some um, some momentum going. Probably. Or like someone pulls in. A lot, it's a lot of times he's at the mercy of his powers as much as he is using them. Mm-hmm. Like he's gotten wedged between things and stuck there for several episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But also there have been moments where it's like he fought a guy who had electric powers and he was resistant to that because he's made of rubber and electricity doesn't affect rubber. Got it. I know that from Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then at the new year, the clown clan tries to hijack the rice case, uh, tries to hijack the rice cake delivery for the annual rice cake drop. Uh, cause they want to get the special, uh, because they want to try and get the special rice cake with Sanji, Nami, and Chopper working to fend off the clown clan. Well, Luffy, who is on patrol, does not do a good job. After he and his men are stopped twice, Buggy just decides to start blasting with the cannon and ends up face to face with Cobra and the royal court. And Cobra refuses to hand over the special rice cake. And then Luffy comes in, causes chaos. The rice cakes get loaded into Buggy's cannon and released for the drop. Luffy blasts Buggy away again. Cobra is happy that his people are happy. And Zoro finds the special rice cake with a diamond inside of it, but then throws it away after hurting his teeth. Oh, the irony. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird that they didn't find a way to bring all of the characters together to work as a group and they just kind of live in this alternate universe setting as opposed to One Piece proper where they are all parts of a pirate crew together. Got it. 
Mm-hmm. I do like it, though. I mean, being able to show what their lives would be like if they just lived for themselves, uh, it really does make sense that Zoro would just be like a wandering monk, though. Mm-hmm. Well, and as opposed to the actual semi-canonical, what jobs would these people have in the modern day answers? Which is something that uh, Oda does uh, question and answer segments within the collected volumes of the manga. And people ask a lot of questions, including what nationalities would these people have in the real world and what sort of jobs would they have in the real world? Of a past era. Uh, Of a modern era, specifically. Got it. Zoro would be a cop, which is a bad look. Then the last one is the day before the Sakura Festival, which is set to take place under the Millennium Sakura Tree. Carrot, uh, one of the three kids from Usopp's Island. Not a really weird uh, call of a character from a few... From the future, uh, Carrot is horribly sick, and Luffy and Chopper are upset that they can't make him feel better. And at the Penwheel restaurant, Onami is excited to sell a lot of boxed lunches on the next day. But then the Sakura tree is stolen, and while Usopp initially thinks that Luffy is to blame, Robin essentially has to lead Sanji, Usopp, and Luffy directly to Buggy and the Clown Clan, who stole it for Foxy, who is a foreigner. Italian. Mm-hmm. And Foxy ends up betraying Buggy by not paying him, but then Zoro, who had fallen asleep in the tree, shows up. Foxy and then Buggy are sent flying, and Carrot feels better when he gets to see the Sakura tree returned, and because he knows that his friends care about him so much. This was and a... Um... Choppers... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to mention that Chopper also um, says that, hey, the Sakura tree blossoms are just as good as real science. (laughs) Which is sort of a callback to his origin in the anime where he works with a doctor who believes that if you can see a Sakura tree, it can restore all sorts of ailments, including corruption in the heart of a country. And there was a mountain that had eyes? Uh, No, that was Robin using her powers to make eyes appear on the mountain. Ah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what you're saying. She can see through things. Yeah, she can make eyes or arms or legs just appear. Any body part. Any body part. Any body part. Anybody part. I found the um the cherry blossom petals falling distractingly digital. They seemed really out of tone with the rest of the animation. Kind of like those old timey snow filters that they'd use on movies where it's like, A well, we like want to make you feel. Yeah. But there's no like depth to it. Yeah. You can Mm -hmm. tell it was um, done in post or whatever. Yeah. I I feel like it's a lot easier to do it that way than to have to hand draw all of those. (laughs) I do think that like it does speak to the level of animation that we're seeing in One Piece now as 
things are starting to incorporate more of those kind of small little, I wouldn't call them shortcuts, but the, they're techniques that weren't previously available when we started the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across the word flashily a lot in these episodes. That was not yep. a um, adverb I'm familiar with. Uh, that's Buggy's uh, catchphrase. You're going to die flashily. Okay. Just part of his character. Yeah. He's the flashy fool. Mm-hmm. The genius jester. I liked how they explicitly made it so that the super slow beam functions like the time stopper in the Breath of the Wild in that if something is in super slow mode and you punch it, it retains that momentum until it's back into regular mode. Mm-hmm. That was um, It was fun to see the powers at work and in um, combination with each other. Yeah. Uh, Foxy is a character who is controversial. To put it lightly, a lot of people just hate him. Okay. Uh, Because he comes after Luffy punches God. And then like the next arc is, oh, this guy appears. What's Foxy's deal? Oh, he plays a game called the Davy Back Fight where you potentially lose crew members uh, by betting crew members and eventually the flag of your ship. And he is a cheat. And he is an idiot, but he is also kind of wonderful as a cheat and an idiot. And he obtains everything he desires. Mm-hmm. I and am convinced he's Italian. That, I am convinced that um, he's uh Jeez, what what is that one guy's name in um, Wacky Racers? I know his dog oh, is Muttley. Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly. He's very Dick Dastardly. And Hamburg is definitely Muttley because all Hamburg is doing is covering his mouth and laughing the entire time. And like, I can't prove it, but the lines are there. I mean, we haven't even gotten to one piece of Zaquillin of the Anthill mob. So you're not wrong, Janine. So, Jay, you've (laughs) wandered into One Piece, sight unseen, with an alternate universe. You probably have some additional questions. I do. um, What what do you enjoy about this show? Uh, Usually it is not this. Uh, Luffy is a character who wants to be the king of the pirates and his definition of that is the person who gets to be the most free and so in a lot of ways he's a very anti-fascist character who gets repeatedly put up against villains who represent various types of oppression or evil and then he gets to smack them down and he is joined by characters who all have very interesting quirks and character flaws and it knows how to set itself up. The alternate universe stuff does not do that. Okay. But this is, you 
are making this podcast because it's a show that you care a lot about and find some thematic resonances with The Simpsons? What's the combination there? Oh, oh, that is a result of both of them have been running for a long time. Uh, One Piece hit 25 years. Okay. And Simpsons, is that like 35? uh, Yeah. That's, um, That's nuts. Because it seems yeah. like it has more um, the Simpsons. You can just sort of riff on the same idea over and over again. But with this um, one piece, it seems like are they just keep making arcs? Does anybody ever die? That was a funny thing to me. It doesn't seem like this is a universe in which death exists. <laughs> oh, uh, death sometimes exists. Like I said, there was an entire island in the proper show that got genocided where a bunch of uh, researchers and librarians got murdered by the world government okay that's bad uh and not everyone dies but it does happen and it uh happens in believable ways for a fantasy adventure series but not everybody that should die dies i mean Mary dies in the Netflix live adaptation, but not in the anime. Uh, there is also a Netflix live uh, adaptation that's one of the few like good live action anime adaptations. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would also say... Janine got sold on the show solely on the premise. Otherwise, we would not be getting ready to cover the 300th episode of One Piece in our next regular episode. What was the selling point there? Janine, how were you roped into this? Were you a fan of One Piece before? I was not. I've never seen an episode really beforehand. And um, I'm watching all of these episodes for the first time now. Has it won you over? Uh, yeah, it has. It's been a wild ride, and sometimes Luke will reference things that are going to happen that sound so cryptic and mind-boggling, but I'll forget them just <laughs> in enough time so that when it does show up, it completely ruins my system, but I remember Luke saying something about it, so I get <laughs> mad at him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the basis of our friendship right now. It is. Understood. The next arc is the zombie arc. Well, I I found this um, particularly resonant to watch. I grew up in Minneapolis and I was visiting my parents in Minneapolis this past week, um, which is where I made the time to watch these. And it was very reminiscent to me of my childhood where they would go to bed and I would watch Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z with the sound off and captions on um, mm-hmm. so that they couldn't tell that the TV was on. Um, but that was always my uh, before bed cartoon network uh, routine. And it has been pretty much 20 plus years since I've watched five episodes of anime. Um, and it was really funny to be back in my parents' basement uh, watching some ridiculous show um, that I can't really tell what's going on, but mm-hmm. Um, and I did watch it on 1.25 speed, 
because it was already super frenetic and it was late. And I don't think that took away from it. Um, but it was a fun and surreal experience overall. Well, I am glad you had fun and a surreal experience. I'd be interested to see if you were just like, you know what, let's go back to the first arc and see what happens. Because uh, we've had easier times selling guests on the show. <laughs> you know, uh, I just don't, I don't watch a lot of episodes of shows. It's not something I feel like I have the attention span for. I'll sit down and I'll think, oh, this show's great. It was recommended by somebody whose opinion I'm interested in. And then all of a sudden, seven minutes into the episode, I'm on the other side of the room doing something else. I have a really hard time of sitting still and watching something. And so it's not, it's not my lifestyle. I would say the last time that I did a binge of it before uh, we started doing the show, I had it as a background show uh, going mm -hmm. on because the nice thing about animes are most of them have recaps and yes. uh, it doesn't necessarily move the fastest. So it works well as a background show, especially since there are over a thousand episodes. That's funny you say that. I One thing that I did like about this as opposed to Dragon Ball Z is it did, at least in these episodes, the plot was very fast moving. It didn't linger a lot. There wasn't a 15 minute power up sequence. It was this happens and this happens and this happens. And I appreciate that. That is actually uh, the infamous like Dragon Ball Z, Planet Namek, Spirit Bomb stuff is a result of policies that the anime industry has shifted away from as a result of those sorts of tendencies because uh, I'm blanking on the production company, uh, but they basically had a, hey, we always need to be uh, at least uh, like eight chapters away from the anime or from the manga that's come out. And when you start to speed up production so you can have a weekly show, you're eventually going to start catching up because each episode of the anime is adapting like two or three chapters. And so right. uh, they had to add filler, but you can only add so much filler for uh, before problems happen. And so this was like a filler arc to help and space things out. We had a earlier filler arc that was just recaps of uh, character origins. Okay. Uh, interspersed with some new material. But now the anime industry has kind of shifted away from that because uh, it causes so many issues. Like, initially, I think One Piece was averaging like four or so chapters of the manga adapted into each episode. And there's a point where it like drops down to like 2.23 or something like that. And Actually, the show has been running so long that uh, Netflix was like, hey, we're going all in on One Piece as like our big <laughs> property. We are going to start producing a new anime adaptation. And so now not only are there new episodes that are, I believe, going up the next day on Netflix of the current series that is like over a thousand episodes in, but uh, they've got the live action show and then the new anime that should be coming out sometime like next year where it will fix some of those pacing issues. 
I, I think probably what I'm most curious about as a follow-up would be that live action. It's, um, it's interesting to me, the idea of imagining this with uh, a, a real human being made out of rubber and how they, how they affect that. It looks better than you think it might. And some of the set design is like, oh, hey, you actually built ships for this. That's cool. Nice. Um, all right. Well, that... Uh, do you have any other questions for us? How? Um, what's your plan for this? How many episodes are you going to do out of the thousand? If you're 300 in so far, but only on episode 47. Uh, I mean, we're just going to keep doing this. There's movies and specials that we haven't covered. I think we're continuing until we either get a cease and desist or we get busy enough that we don't want to keep doing it. I was also exposed to your promotion for this before I understood what any of it was. And it's my understanding that you have a pal who's been making uh, open AI or something based promo images. They're not actually oh. drawing Simpsons. No, they are. We really? do not. And en- we do not endorse the use of AI. Jay. Oh, we I'm so ambitious. Yeah, no, we commission uh, Mike Patton currently and Colt Hoskins before Mike came on to do these covers. Like, they are a source of pride, and I'm happy to sponsor illustrators. Remarkably well done. Yes. And it was bizarre to see those without any context of what was going on. (laughs) Yes. Oh. All right. Well, uh, I had two questions come in through our Discord. Uh, King Atticus wanted to know what mystery or crime would you trust Detective Luffy with if you had to choose him as your detective? And Mike P. While it, and Mike P. Our current cover artist wanted to follow up with what mystery or crime would you not trust Detective Luffy with if you had to choose him? You wouldn't want him to track down any food for you because he would eat it. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that as a pretty solid um, character trait. And mm-hmm. what would you want him to solve? Um, I guess any any crime to which the resolution is just a bunch of punches. Um, so what would that be? What's an example of that? Um, maybe somebody has placed a bunch of punching bags across the highway and have stopped traffic into the city. And so you want somebody who can punch a lot of things out of the way real quick. Punching bag crimes are a major problem and our police forces are not equipped to deal with it. No. I I feel like you could kind of put him on any crime because as we've seen in these episodes, Robin will just lead everyone to like the actual criminal and everything will get solved. Because like Luffy on his own, I wouldn't trust him to find his own ass with his hands. No. <laughs> but that's because he's actually a pirate king, not a um, not a detective. I think that um, he's already the best and worst detective. Uh, the best in that he'll just have the answer fall in his lap no matter what, and the worst <laughs> in that he's actually going to cause a lot of property damage wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. So it's just basically a cost issue of like. Can you afford to clean up after it, or is there another detective that's available right now? 
I feel like if he were a modern detective, he'd just have the worst body cam footage. And the <laughs> fact that it's like, oh, he's just going to hang out with kids for like a while. He's not like teaching them about being a cop or anything, but he's just like, oh shit, are you playing with Beyblades? Yeah, can I play too? <laughs> like, I feel like a modern detective Luffy would get fired so quickly. God, yeah. A cab includes Luffy. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, Jay, where can people find you online? My best stuff is probably on my Bandcamp, jackley.bandcamp.com. I've got a website, jackley.com, that has some fun video games I've made on it over the years, just browser games, all free to play. Instagram is also where I um, show off most of my electronic tinkering, um, and that's just at jackley. But I am focusing right now on um, all of my art shit is in storage. Um, We're going to be moving over the next few months, and I've just got a piano in the living room, and that's where I'm putting most of my creative energies recently, not in a recording or producing anything, but just sitting down and enjoying music for its own sake. So that's how I'm going to find myself. And if others want to find me, I've got a lot of backlog out there. And how would you spell Jay Ackley for people listening online? J-A-Y-A-C-K-L-E-Y. And Janine, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter for some reason. Um, that's at Janine Juliet. And I am also on Blue Sky, JanineJuliet.Bisky.Social. Um, follow me there. Give me a reason to keep on going back. And you can find me on Blue Sky only at Coltreg, K-O-L-T-R-E-G, or at LukeHair.com, which I have not updated in a while. Domance uh, Dawn's covers are currently done by Mike Patton, who you can find on Instagram and other sites at Patton Pending. That's P-A-T-T-E-N-P-E-N-D-I-N-G. And Domance Dawn uh, updates every two weeks. So we will be back in two Mondays as we hit episode 300 and we get to a really horny fight. So, okay. Uh, we'll see you then. Until then, a smooth sailing. Yeah.